And uh, if you've got a copy of the outline tonight, we're going to begin tonight in Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll turn to a couple other passages tonight. And uh, tonight's message is a very instructional type of a message, and it's probably a little bit more on the teaching line than the preaching line, but nonetheless, it's a tremendous uh, look at the scriptures to try to help us understand about Christian relationships. And it's very important that we understand that because relationships are so much a part of our lives, even as Christians, and we need to know how to, how to function properly when it comes to relationships. And I know some relationships can be a little bit difficult and, uh, and even testing at times, but understand that if we are Christians, there still needs to be unity in our relationships. And so I want to begin tonight in Ephesians chapter number four, and I want to show you from these three verses by way of introduction tonight, some characteristics that we see here in the relationships of growing Christians. That's the key there, growing Christians. We all need to be growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. The more that we grow in the knowledge of the Lord, the more we're going to be like him. And I want you to notice the first characteristic of a growing Christian is that there's a developing maturity. Notice in Ephesians 4 in verse number 14, the Bible says in that verse, it says there that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There's a developing maturity. We understand that as we grow in the Lord, that the Holy Spirit, he, he shows us things. He guides us in truth that uh, we are a little bit more mature to not believe everything that we see. Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You have to even understand when you go to uh, bookstores and, and, and different places where you can buy a Bible you have to understand that even God's word has been tampered with today, some of the more modern versions. And just because it says Holy Bible on the outside doesn't mean it contains all the word of God. And again, a, a growing Christian having a growing relationship with the Lord, first of all, is a developing maturity. But then in verse number 15, we also see a devotional growth here. Look what it says in verse number 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You see, we're a part of his church. And it's important that we understand that as we spend time with him, as we spend time in the word of God, that we will speak the truth, but we're going to speak the truth in love. Uh, I hear a lot of people, especially even in churches and among Christians where they speak certain things, but it's the way they say it or the spirit with which they say it that really just kind of cancels everything out. Uh, we've got to have the right attitude. Some of what we're going to look at tonight in our relationships, listen, it'll make all the difference if we speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love. And we see here that there's not only a developing maturity, a devotional growth, but the third thing that I see when I think of the relationships of growing Christians is thirdly, in verse number 16, a demonstrated love. Look at this verse here. From whom, talking about Jesus, the whole body 
fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part making maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Folks, we've got to understand that God so loved us. And it is that agape love, the love that God has, the unconditional love that he has for us, that as we grow, we too will have love one for another. Certainly, look, there's differences in each one of us. Our backgrounds, uh, maybe some of the things that we prefer over someone else, uh, even among spouses, there's differences. But as we grow, we need to make sure that we are demonstrating the same kind of love for others around us as the Lord loved us. And these are three good characteristics that I see that every one of us need to have as we're a part of the body of Christ. And we think again, we're talking about the church being a real church. Uh, I want to be a real church. And to me, I think the only way that we can be a real church is to be a Bible church, to be true to the Word of God. And the local assembly, we've already discussed this in weeks gone by, is a gift from God. Being a part of the church, it's a privilege to be a part of our church. It's a privilege to be a part of any church that's a true Bible-believing church. Uh, I had a man ask me today at lunch, he said, he said, is the church here fairly new? And I said, well, it's actually 68 years old. I said, we started back in uh, North Miami uh, years ago when the church started back in 1950. And I said, God's been blessing ever since. And I, I believe with all my heart, the reason God's been blessing our church is because we've stayed true to the word of God. And we, we need to stay that way in our lives. I mean, the, the world around us, even churches today are so changing, uh, and they're changing in many ways, but they're even changing how they view the Word of God, and that's dangerous territory. Listen, when we think about our, 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 our privilege to be a part of the church of God, we do understand that as we're a part of a body, and there are many members but yet one body, that not every member walks in the Spirit. Have you figured that out yet? Not every member of our church, maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit more or a little bit less, but from time to time, even myself, we're all guilty of living in the flesh, uh, not walking in the spirit. And that's when we really get into, into problems within the body and our relationships. Now, here's the question tonight as we get started. When you think about relationships, what do we do as a believer when a fellow believer offends us. And I know that all of us, somewhere along the way, have been offended when somebody has done something, but what do we do when a Christian falls out of fellowship with the Lord? How do we handle that? Uh, you know, God has a desire in our relationship with Him. He wants us to have a proper relationship, and I still believe if we have the right relationship with Him, we're going to have the right relationship with others. I believe it all stems out of our relationship with the Lord. And so let's look tonight as we look at not only this passage, but a few other passages about, first of all, that in every church there are three different kinds of believers, three different kinds of Christians. And I want you to look at these tonight with me that are a part of every church. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, am I this person? Am I this person? 
I know that in every church I've seen, first of all, number one, there are willful offenders. Now, willful, that's, in other words, these are people that are doing things because they want to do those things, and they're offending, and look, you know, if you've been saved, whether it's a month, whether it's a year, maybe longer, there's a good chance along the way you have been offended by someone else. So I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go over to Matthew chapter number 18 tonight, and let's look at this matter about willful offenders in the church. We're not talking outside the church tonight. We're talking about those that would offend a believer in the church, a brother or sister in Christ, and let's see what the Bible has to say about this. Now, you ever wonder when you look at this passage we're about to look at, this matter of, of dealing with people, why in the world would Jesus have dealt with this issue early on in his earthly ministry with his disciples? And what came to my mind is because Jesus was trying to instruct his disciples how they needed to get along with each other, just like we need to learn to get along with each other. And uh, honestly, I, I, I was telling them at lunch today, I said, one of the things I love about our church is the sweet spirit that's here. But we understand because we're all humans and we all from time to time get in the flesh that things can happen. And it doesn't take long before something's going on that something needs to be dealt with. And so I want you to notice tonight what the Bible says here as we see the beginning of this issue about being offended. Look at chapter 18 of Matthew, verse number 1. The Bible says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's their question. Now, I look at that question, and what I think about is, is within their hearts, these individuals are lifting up themselves. The bottom of that really is an issue of pride. This, this pride many times will bring personal offenses. And so what Jesus then does in this passage, and we studied this not too long ago, Jesus takes a child and he sets that child in the midst of his disciples, and he uses that child to teach them this matter of humility. Uh, he gives them a stern warning about offending a child. And, and uh, notice what it says here in verse number uh, 6. He says, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, if it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. So he gives a very stern warning here, trying to teach them, Humility, and in this same context, and this is one thing that we have got to make sure that we always do because it's very important that we always look at things in the, the context that God gives them in the Word of God. So let's stay in Matthew 18, but let's move on here a little bit. And I want you to look because Jesus then instructs his disciples how they are to respond when, not if, when offenses come. Look what it says in chapter 18 and beginning in verse number 15. The Bible says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. Notice, if thy what? Brother. He says, Go and tell him his, uh, go, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he, shall not, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, take thee uh, then take with thee 
one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, tell him, uh, uh, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Now I want you to see because what do we do when another church member has done something that is offensive towards us? And I want you to notice, first of all, we have to acknowledge the offense. You have to acknowledge the offense. Uh, see, if, there, if you've been offended, you, you know, now from time to time, and I, I've seen this in my life, I've tried to practice this, that if someone offends me, the Bible says this, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. But there are times when offenses come, when things really do hurt, they cut, they need to be dealt with. Now listen, honestly, if, if you have been offended and you can just take it to the Lord and give it to the Lord and just let it go, then that's great. But if that's not the case, then according to the Bible, if you cannot lay it at the cross and move on, then you only have one recourse of action, and that is you have to deal with it. Now listen, what I'm about to share with you, not only is Bible, but it is something that honestly many times is not practiced, and if it were practiced, it would help immensely when it comes to situations. Now, maybe you're not dealing with this, maybe you've never had to deal with this, but there's a good chance if you haven't, you probably will someday. Now, remember what I told you, mature Christians who are developing in the Lord have the right spirit and can speak the truth in love. Are you with me tonight? Okay, now listen, as we look at the scriptures here, we've got to acknowledge the offense. If we cannot, if we've been offended, we cannot lay it aside and just move on, then we need to deal with it. So the Lord tells us to acknowledge it. We are not to hide it. We're not to carry it around with us and have some chip on our shoulder. Eventually, we're going to have to deal with it. If we do not deal with it, guess what's going to happen? It's going to explode. Eventually, the lid's going to come off. It's going to be worse. Listen, it's going to be worse if you don't deal with it than if you did deal with it. And from time to time. Now, it's, it's, sometimes it's not pleasant but yet it is something that the Lord instructs us to do. Because if we don't deal with it, here's what's going to happen is that eventually one day that person that doesn't deal with it, they're just going to slip out the doors of the church never to be seen again. And I've seen all different types of these things. Uh, things happen and uh, from time to time somebody will do that and then I'll try to call them, catch up to them and I'll say, what happened uh, I haven't seen you in a while, and then they'll start to share with me. And instead of dealing with it, they just walked away. Now listen, folks, if you walk away from the church, you walk away from the Lord. This is God's house. We've got to learn to be mature. We try to teach things like this to our children, but what about us as adults? Sometimes we act like children at best. We've got to learn how to deal with situations. And folks, as we think about this, we're talking tonight because we're a part of the church. We've got to honor the body of Christ by working through these issues. Now, again, I, I, I don't have any spe specific issue tonight that I'm going to talk about, but I will tell you this, that God does have a way for us to resolve issues within the church. 
okay, within the church. Now, there's no higher court than the local church, the church itself. Look what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 1. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? This, this was happening in Corinth. One of the most damaging things that any Christian could do is to take what's happened between uh, another brother and himself or a sister and herself and to air out their dirty laundry in public, in a court of law. It should not happen. By the way, when that happens, really what bottom line happens is it hurts the cause of Christ. It really does. Because again, people don't deal with things, they don't have the right spirit. So the question tonight is, who in the church do we go to when we are offended? Now look back in verse number 15, and I want you to see again what it says. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, and if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So here's what we see is someone that, that is instructed to not let bitterness build up in your heart. Don't carry this around with you. That'll eat you up. He says, don't go spread it around the entire church. Go directly to them. The one that's been offended goes to the one who did the offending. Are you, are you with me so far? So as we think about this, we've got to do it, as I mentioned earlier, with a spirit of love. When you approach them, have a spirit of meekness. Approach them the way the Lord would. Because understand that as you go to them, what is the end goal of you going to them in this offense? And now this is where most churches have missed the mark. Because the end goal of going to them is to restore fellowship. Let me say that again. The end goal of going to someone, because there's been something that has offended, that has broken the relationship there, and you're going to them for one reason, to restore the fellowship that used to be there. And this is many times I've seen it has not happened. It is vital to the process of seeing restoration. Look what the Bible says in Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. I had a man tell me today when I was talking to him in the foyer before the service started, he said, he, I, I said, hey, did you get my message? I tried to call you this week. And he said, uh, no, I didn't. And I said, I'm pretty sure I called the right number. We talked for a little bit. And he said, that's interesting you tried to call me. He says, because I've been dealing with something all week. And he said, uh, what I was dealing with, he said, somebody said that I did this. He goes, but honestly, I didn't. But he said, because this was going on between me and that person, he said, even though I knew that I didn't do that, he said, it was like the Lord was saying to me, you need to call that person and make things right. And I said, well, remember what Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. And when I said that, he goes, that's the verse I was thinking about. But that's what he was being. See, sometimes even though we're not wrong, if no one else will, listen, let's do the right thing and let's do our part to make it right. And it, it says here, overcome evil with good. Sometimes the offender may not respond. We, we, we go to them. 
that offender might not respond with kindness, but we must persist and we must be like Jesus. So look, when an offense comes, when we've been offended and we can't lay it aside, lay it at the cross and move on, then according to the Bible, what we need to do is we need to acknowledge the offense. Secondly, we need to approach the offender. God gives us, again, we've already looked at one of them. He gives us the three steps of approaching the offender. Now, the, the whole thing about this approach and what's going to happen is all going to depend on the person you go to. Because some people receive things well, and some people don't. Now, remember, on your part, listen to me now, on your part, if you're the one going to that person, you've got to approach them with the right spirit with the right attitude. But I want you to see that as you go to them, it depends on how the offender responds to you going to them. Again, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 15, that we are to go to them one-on-one. -on -one. I've seen many times where people get the order and what they do is they're like, I'm gonna go get so-and-so and go with me. I'm gonna get a group of people together I've even seen churches, instead of handling it God's way, where they'll just bring that person in front of the whole church. Not a good thing. God's given us an order. God's given us a plan. If we follow God's plan, listen, remember the goal is restoration. All right? So we see here that we are to go to them one-on-one. -on -one. We're to approach them in love. The Bible says in John 15, 18, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Can you go to that person even though they've offended you and loved them the way Jesus loved you? By the way, the Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us before we ever loved him. That's the kind of love you need to go to that person. The Bible tells us, to pray for those which persecute you. How's your attitude towards, so, well, pastor, you just don't understand what they've done to me. Really, is it that bad? You know what we're famous for doing? We're famous for taking something small and making it big. When really what we need to do is, if it is something big, we need to make it small. And we need to learn how to go to them one-on-one, -on -one, Ephesians 5, uh, 4, 15, again, speaking the truth in love that you may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. God's plan of this matter of one-on-one, -on -one, do you know that that part of the plan, that first step, it would solve most, if not all problems between one another in Christ? If we would just practice that. I've seen people where you know, it's the person that's been offended. It's like this huge thing. And sometimes they go to that person and they try to make it right. And you see them over there just bawling and hugging. And the whole thing was a misunderstanding. It just didn't come out right. But listen, honestly, that would have never happened had that person not gone to that person and try to make things right. We need to learn to deal with offenses as quickly as possible. We need to keep them as small as possible. Some issues I know are not easy to deal with. Look, no one enjoys confrontation. Matter of fact, most of us, if not all of us, shy away from it. We, we don't want to, uh, to deal with things. We don't want to talk to things. I mean, a lot of times if I say to somebody, hey, listen, I need to see you in my office. You know, somebody's like, uh-oh. And sometimes it's, it's not bad things. Matter of fact, a lot of times it's not bad things. But immediately, people just start thinking. You know, I might say to somebody on Sunday morning, I think I did it this morning, hey, I need to see you after church, and everybody's like, what did you do? 
you're getting called to the principal's office, you know? But confrontation, listen, when, when confrontation, when we do go to them, listen now, when we go to them one-on-one, according to Matthew 18, 15, when we go to them and that confrontation has not brought about repentance, are you listening tonight? In other words, when that person that offended doesn't repent and say, listen, I, I'm sorry, brother, I, I didn't mean that. I should have never said, when that person doesn't do that, then you know what you do next? You go to the next step. Now remember, he gave three steps. So look at verse number 16. Here's the next part. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now, can I just give you my commentary on this verse, that doesn't mean you go get a posse together. You you know what you need to do? You need to go find some spiritual people. You need to go find your pastor. You need to go find a a sister or a brother in Christ that is one that that you know prays for you and, and has a heart for the Lord. You need to find someone who's not going to throw logs on the fire. You with me? You want to take the right people. You don't want to just go find someone that's going to agitate the the situation and make it worse. You want to find someone that you can take with you. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 1, this is the third time I am coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So, you know what happens now is that person that offended because you went to them and you did it right in a spirit of love, there was no repentance on their part. They say, listen, that's just what you think. That's not what it was. And their, their spirit, their attitude is not right. Then, then the Bible says, instead of standing there arguing with them, then what you do is then you go find the right people so that everything that you have between you and this offender is going to be established because now you have witnesses. You have other people that you can bring. By the way, you're not ganging up on that person. Remember, what is the end goal? Restoration, all right? This is God's design, that there would be restoration, that the relationship would be reestablished, that had been severed, that had been broken. And so if this fails, bringing two or three witnesses with you, then look at verse number 17, because this is the third step. See, you go by yourself, If they will not hear you, then you take two or three witnesses that every word may be established. And if that doesn't work, look at verse 17. The Bible says, and if he shall neglect to to hear them, tell it unto the what? Church. So listen, it sounds to me like this is church business, right? We don't take this out in public. We don't take it to the public courts. Uh, We don't want to trust anything to the court system anyways, the way they, they handle things nowadays. But again, every one of these steps, the purpose of this whole coming to them is restoration, not condemnation. You're not condemning them. That that God, look, God does not make you judge and jury of people's lives. God is trying to get you to restore, and it is a restoring godly relationship that God is interested in. So the purpose is not to prove that I'm right and they're wrong. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to gain a brother. 
The purpose is to keep the church of the living God strong for the glory of God. This is why God has given this to us. See, church discipline is something that many times Christians and churches never talk about. Now look, I hope it would never happen in our church, but if it does happen, if someone does get offended, then I hope as a brother in Christ that you that have been offended would do the right thing, have the right spirit, the right attitude, and go to them in Christian love and make things right, and I hope it ends right there. I hope the relationship has been restored, but sometimes it doesn't. There's not that restoration there, and so we've always got to keep things within the church unless it's a legal matter. If it's a crime, listen, there are times, and I do know churches that have had things happen that had to be reported to the police. You see, we're just as bad as a, as a church if we sweep things under the rug. The Catholic Church is finding out about that now. And folks, we cannot do that. And again, I, that's an unpleasantry, but if something happens, if there's a robbery within the church, do you know most robberies happen within than without? We, our church in, in Maryland, when we were there, somebody came in and after the police were there, they said to us, this had to be an inside job. Somebody that knew where the safe was, knew where everything was at. Somebody, it wasn't somebody on the outside planning to get in. And these are willful offenders. They are ones that are, that are seeking things that they can do. And sometimes things have to be reported to the authorities. But listen, understand tonight, before I move on, that the church belongs to the Lord. And the local church is the highest authority on the earth for spiritual matters. And we, listen, God's given us, Christians, as a part of the church, the responsibility to deal with that so how do we deal with that when we've been offended? We have to go to them. We have to acknowledge the offense. And then as we acknowledge offense, we have to approach the offender, all right? So in the church, there are people that are willful offenders. But notice the second uh, person that's in many churches is the second person is a wayward brothers. The wayward brothers. Now I want you to take your Bibles and go over to Galatians chapter number six tonight. And I want you to see what Galatians chapter number 6 has to say, because there are brothers and sisters who from time to time walk away from the Lord. They walk away from the church. And what do we do when someone walks away? What do we do when someone falls into sin? And, and look, our attitude should never be, well, he deserved that. No, that should never be our attitude. Our attitude should be, where is brother so-and-so? I miss sister so-and-so. And, and listen, if, if it's because of the grace of God that it's not us, folks. There's been many people that have, that have fallen into sin, that have walked away from the Lord. And Galatians chapter number 6 provides an answer on how do we deal with this. Look in chapter 6 and verse 1. What's the first word? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are what? Now that's a word right there that you need to pay attention to. Because it's hard for you to help someone if you yourself are not a spiritual person. I'll let you define that yourself according to the scriptures. But I know many times we think we are, but if we're going to be able to help someone that's been overtaken in a fault, 
Ye which are spiritual, look at the word, restore such and one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. A tremendous passage here, because what is God saying to us? In other words, what do we do to help those that have gone by the wayside? Okay, how many of you are interested in this, that if you ever had a brother or sister that goes by the wayside, how you can help them? This is something that interests me. Because the Word of God tells us, here's what we need to do. First of all, restore them. We need to restore them. Spiritual casualties happen because, as we see in the Christian life, that we have a real enemy. You know, folks, listen, wake up tonight. Understand, the devil is real. A lot of times we act like he's some kind of uh, little cartoon character in a red suit with a pitchfork. That is not the devil. He's an angel of light. The devil is smart. Uh, He knows what sin in your life, what button to push in your life. The devil is always after God's children. And can I tell you, if you've lived any length of time as a Christian, I guarantee you he's been after you from time to time. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? He has desired to sift you. You know why? Because God knew what Peter was going to do in the days ahead. God had big plans for Peter. And the devil had a good idea that Peter was probably going to be used mightily of the Lord. And he was doing everything he could to derail Peter, just like he tried to the Lord Jesus. And so we see here that one way that we can help a wayward brother is to restore them. The Bible says of our enemy, our adversary, be sober, be vigilant, Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's on the prowl. He's seeking to harm God's people. Now, the Bible says, brethren, if if we have someone that is dear to us, in verse number one, if a man has been overtaken in a fault, now let's talk about that, the word overtaken. Here's what it means. They've been overwhelmed by something they've been caught in something the bible talks about the snares of the devil the traps i preached a meeting one time preached the entire meeting on this verse my son if sinners entice thee consent thou not the devil knows what kind of bait to use he knows what, what interests you. He knows what kind of pop-ups to put on your computer. What kind of things to show up on your phone. The other day, it, listen, sometimes smartphones are way too smart. And my phone was, the word I would use is my phone was wigging out. Things just kept popping up. I wasn't even pushing anything. I said to my wife, how do I get that off? She says, uh, hit that, and I hit that, and it kept popping up. She says, you need to shut your phone down completely. I shut my phone down. As soon as I fired it up again, it popped back up again. I, I didn't want it. I didn't want what was on there. The devil knows exactly. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. And, and this person that's been overtaken 
is someone that's been caught in something. They've been overwhelmed by something. And the word here, fault, refers to a lapse or a deviation from truth. In other words, they, 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 one time they were walking in the fellowship of the brethren, but somehow they deviated a little bit off course. And by the way, listen, folks, when somebody does... In Christian love, what we need to do is say, hey, listen, can I talk to you for just a minute? I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not chastising you. Uh, God didn't make me your keeper, but look, I love you, and I'm seeing something here. Can I talk with you about that? And the Bible says this is someone that we need to restore, somebody that's been overtaken. None of us are immune from Satan's traps. We all have in our lives times where we want to be hypocritical of others. Uh, we want to point our fingers at others and judge those who have fallen. Can I tell you, it is not our job to, 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 to put somebody down. It is our job to acknowledge their sin. But once we acknowledge it, it is our job to help them up, folks, to restore such a one. Look at Hebrews 12.1. The Bible says, seeing we are also compassed about but with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily. I mean, this is something that just keeps popping up. It easily overtakes you. Before long, you, you don't even realize that you've been overtaken. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When I think about the Christian life and I think about how easy it is to deviate off course, I'm going to tell you, in my life, I've learned that it's a joy to run the Christian life, the race that God has set before me, but it's a joy to have brothers and sisters in Christ running alongside of me, running the race with me, that encourage me when I start to deviate off course. We need to, we need to speak the truth in love. And, and what do we need to do? We need to try to help restore them. But sometimes a fellow runner... A brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, they fall. You ever watched a, a running event, Olympics or whatever, and you see a runner fall in their lane? It, it's never some. Now listen, why do you go to or watch a hockey game? That's right. You don't, you don't watch it for the hockey. You watch it for the fights. But can I look here? I don't watch a running event to see someone fall. You watch a running event to see someone win. But there are times where a fellow Christian, now listen, I hope, I hope you're taking this in. I'm not talking about somebody you don't know. I'm not talking about an unsaved person. I'm talking about a brother or sister in Christ. We are to love them. And sometimes a brother will fall because of some weights, some besetting sin that does so easily overtake them. So how do we respond when this happens? How do we respond when a brother falls? I mean, we've been trying to, to restore them. So notice what do we do? We need to secondly reinforce them. I mean, if there's been some repentance and, and, and there, there has been this restoration of fellowship, now listen to me. Here's what happens, is that there still needs to be spiritual reinforcement. Just because someone has taken steps in the right direction, guess what? They're still dealing internally with what happened in their lives. 
I see this a lot of times, how, how that most people don't understand this matter of chapter number 6 and verse number 2, bear ye one another's burdens. This is a, a military term. It, it literally means to take their, their backpack and to put it on yourself. Any of you men in military ever carry one, carry one of those backpacks that I see? I never did, but they're not little bitty old school backpacks. They're huge. It's a burden. Now think about this. In your life, just like David in that cave this morning, we all have our own burdens to bear, but if we're trying to restore such a one, the Bible says that we need to take their burden and we need to bear it for them. We need to reinforce them because they've already gone through it. I said to that guy at lunch today, I said, look, when somebody does something wrong and they fall in sin, is this not true? They already feel bad about what they've done. Would you agree with that? Without, without them saying one word, they know and they feel bad about what they did. So here's the thing is, should we as a Christian kick them when they're down? That's not the Christ-like thing to do. Matter of fact, every time Jesus dealt with someone that had fallen into sin, he was trying to help them up. That is what his church should be doing, is helping somebody that's been overtaken. We need to reinforce them because sin, and we know this, remember the, the verse that we use a lot of times, soul winning, the wages of sin. See, sin brings consequences in a person's life that we talk about the scars of sin but even after there's been restoration even after that person has been restored back there's been maybe a repentance and and they they're restored back to fellowship they're still carrying the consequences of that sin whatever it is that they did they're still carrying that a lot of times we talk about when people come to the lord that after they get saved, like many of us, they have baggage, right? Things that, that they, they still, even though they're saved, they're still dealing with those things. And so we see here that some suffering is a result of that sin. It's a direct result of our own sin. Look what Peter says in chapter 4 of 1 Peter. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in another man's matters. We can't stop the suffering in a person's life that's been overtaken in a fault, but we can encourage them. Well, how do we do that? By reinforcing them. You know, look, I love to see a another brother in Christ come up and put their arm around a brother and say, hey, look, man, it, with God's help and being a part of the church, you're going to get through this. You're going to make it. Uh, you know, I understand you're still dealing with some things. And, and we look, we can pray for them. We can remind them uh, certainly from time to time about the love that God has for them. Romans 15, 1, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. God can and God will forgive them of how much unrighteousness? All. So look, if God can forgive them, shouldn't we help to reinforce that forgiveness from God? 
And we, we've got to restore them, help to restore them. We've got to reinforce them. Mature Christians can bear the burdens of another one that's been overtaken and can encourage them. Look, there are times where we see in churches those that willfully offend, and we've got to go through the proper steps. And there are times where we might have a brother or sister in Christ that goes by the wayside. How can we help them? To restore them, to reinforce them. But I also want you to see a third kind of person in every church, and it, these are people that are known as willing servants. And again, I'm, I'm always glad to see people that love to serve the Lord, and I think many times, even the message tonight, sometimes it's easier to focus on the negative than it is the positive. Oftentimes, when I, we take prayer requests, we hear like 15, 20 prayer requests, and we hear one praise to God. It's easy to focus. You, Pastor, we have prayer requests. We have, I understand that. And we need to take those requests to the Lord. But understand, I think that God should be praised a whole lot more. I think the Lord has done some great and mighty things in our lives. And it's easy sometimes to always be thinking about the negative. But listen, we must not neglect those who are, and it's easy to look at the people that are willful offenders, and it's easy sometimes to, to think about those wayward brothers, but let's not forget about those willing servants, those people who are consistently serving the Lord, steadily serving in their local church. Listen, many of you tonight, if I had you stand, serve in many different capacities in our church, and folks, listen, without you serving this church would not be what it is. God wants all of us to be willing servants to do the work of the Lord. Now, what is it that the faithful servant needs from us? When you think about this group of people in churches, what is it that they need from us? Well, certainly, first of all, I think even a willing servant needs edification. We don't do what we do to be seen of men. But I think every one of us, by nature, like it when somebody says an encouraging word to us. Doesn't it just kind of lift your spirits? When somebody will say something, some, something kind. Now again, we don't live for that. But one of the best ways that we can encourage someone that is serving willingly is we can, we can remind them of the promises of God. Look at a couple of these here in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon Him. Why? For He careth for you. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We all need to hear from another brother or sister. From time to time, we need to hear regularly these promises of God. And the Lord reminds us in the word of God that we need to look beyond ourselves and we need to serve the Lord and serve others. 1 Thessalonians 5, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Build one another up. You know why? Because this week, all during the week, this world and the devil and the flesh are going to try to tear you down. And we need to build one another up, edify one another, encourage them that are going through trials. Well, how do you do that? Look, it can be as simple as a smile on your face. Maybe a kind word. Take your Bibles and go over to Romans chapter number 16 tonight. I love so many things that God allowed Paul to write, but 
Romans 16 is an interesting ending to this book in our Bible. Paul's covered some tremendous doctrinal things in the beginning chapters, and then he, he covers some practical things towards the end of the book. But when he gets to chapter 16, I want you to look here in verse number 1, where Paul writes, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centuria, that you receive her in the Lord as, as, as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succourer of many, and of myself also. She's been a blessing to me, Paul says. Uh, listen, help this woman. Encourage it. This woman has encouraged me. Find it in your heart to encourage her. Verse number three, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who hath for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. I mean, look, we could read on, but are you getting the, the point here tonight that Paul's greeting these these edifiers in his life, these encouragers, these people that have labored with him, but they've meant so much to him. Why? Because they have served the Lord. They've been willing servants. Can you imagine? Listen, I know it was from Paul, but can you imagine what those words would have been like coming from anyone? Encouraging words. Instead of words tearing people down, Paul's encouraging them. He's thankful for them. Uh, he's, he's thanking God for the influence they had in his life. And Listen, we need to be that kind of people that invest our lives and others by not only our words, but by our actions. I appreciate it sometimes when I see this. People going up to others and saying, hey, listen, I just want to thank you for what you do. A lot of times I, I think about things and I might think to myself, well, it's been a long time since I've said anything to him about doing this in the church. It's been a long time since I've said anything to that couple that, faithfully serves every week and i know they're doing it for the lord but again god puts that on my heart sometimes i'll write a note a letter to someone sometimes i'll come up to them at church or i might give them a phone call or text them or something just to say hey listen i just want you to know how thankful i am for you for willingly serving the lord see they need to hear that from us they need that edification but then notice letter b they need that encouragement you know, sometimes when people get down, I mean, uh, listen, all of us, and I, I've been reminded in my own life that people who, most people who work in the church, they're lay people. They're people that work a full-time job, and they're struggling with their own life, and then they come in, and they, they serve the Lord, and they're bearing their own burdens, and a lot of times, I, I just, in my way, want to say to them, hey, look, I know you've got a lot going on in your life, but don't give up. Don't quit serving God. And this is what they need to hear from us. And we all need that from time to time to be reminded of the fact that there will be a reward from the struggle of life, that there will be a time in our lives that, that we, need to, we will receive what God has for us. But for right now, we just need to keep pressing on the upward way. And look, the church is supposed to be a place where we're encouraged not only from one another, but from the Word of God. I mean, look, God gives me the messages that I preach, but I always want to be encouraging whenever I'm standing and, and teaching and preaching the Word of God. Again, folks, we hear enough 
negative things, enough things down, beating us down. I want to have something that's going to help people from the Word of God. Look what William Ward said, flatter me and I will not believe you, criticize me and I will not like you, ignore me and I may not forgive you, encourage me and I will not forget you. I'll not forget you. Just encourage someone in the Lord. Paul frequently did that. He was encouraging those in Galatia. And listen, I know we know this verse very well, but in this context of encouraging them, notice as all that they had going on in the church, he says, let us not be weary in well-doing. He says, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. See, if there's willful offenders, what do we do? We need to approach them and work towards one goal, and that is reconciliation. That there would be a restoration. If there's a wayward Christian, what do we do? We try to restore them. We try to reinforce what God has already been doing in their hearts and lives. And if there's willful servants, what do we do with those folks in the church? We want to encourage them. We want to thank them for being faithful as they serve the Lord. Strong relationships. You know what strong relationships will do? They'll keep a church strong. And we need to be a church that is strong, that can be used by the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the Word of God. As I think about these passages tonight, Lord, I think about so many in the Christian life that have struggled. I think back in the 33 years that I've been a Christian, I can think of many folks that have offended someone and I've seen many different outcomes. I've seen things be made right. What a blessing it is when that happens. That restoration took place and it's almost as if it never happened because it was two spiritual people that love each other and love the Lord. But then sometimes I see that people kind of rear up, not wanting to repent of maybe something that they've done wrong. They take their stand. Nothing good can come out of that. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a church that always takes the proper steps. May we as a brother and sister tonight in Christ, may we Lord, I pray we never have to deal with an offender, but if we do, we do it right. I've seen over the years, I could think of a long list of names of people that used to be serving the Lord. I think I'm even guilty, I know I'm guilty, that those people that have gone by the wayside, did I try to go and help restore them? Did I care? You brought some folks to my heart and mind, and there's probably many tonight in this auditorium that can be thinking about someone right now that used to be here, used to go to our church. Sometimes I hear some of our members say, Pastor, where's so-and-so? If we cared, we wouldn't wonder where they are. We would know. And Lord, we are thankful that you give us the opportunity to be an encourager or to invest in people's lives.
Thank you for those that willingly serve here. Lord, I think of so many that are such a blessing, not only to you, but to me as their pastor. I often think of many, if not all of those, that you put on my heart, Lord, for the, for the, the wonderful role that they play here in this church, in the body of Christ. Lord, help us to be in that third group of people. But Lord, also help us to help those that, that may need our help. Not because we're something special. May our lives be in tune with you so that we can help those that have been overtaken. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd bless the remainder of this evening. Be with our time, Lord, as we fellowship together. Lord, if there's ever anything that comes between us and another individual, another Christian, that, Lord, we'd make things right so that the work of God and the cause of Christ would continue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.